For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Thank you so much and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name's Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the experts. That would be Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. Randy, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? You know, I'm doing really well, Jeff, and I'm just excited to see that the weather is starting to turn over. I kind of sense fall might be coming. Yeah, I can't wait for the leaves to turn. That's one of my favorite times of the year, crisp fall weather. You get out there to the apple orchard, get some apple cider going. It truly is a delight. And Jake, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm doing well as well. I think that I agree with the weather talk there, and I, I like late fall personally. I like yeah. it when it's maybe like 40, 45 degrees, not <laughs> 60 degrees. Well, it's going to be here before you know it, and we're going to blink, and it's going to be Thanksgiving already. I'm surprised at how fast this year has gone. And I don't know about you, Randy, but as I get older, do you think time goes faster than it did when we were just kids? Yeah, I think that it does just because we have so much more in life to do. You know, when you're a kid, all you're worried about is where's my next meal coming from? And oh, by the way, where are we going to play next? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jake, I know you wouldn't know much about that because you're just a young whippersnapper. But nevertheless, fall is upon us here. Not officially. The official fall doesn't begin until I think uh, September 21st. But for all intents and purposes, it is fall. Hope everybody's having a great Saturday morning. And we're certainly glad you decided to join us here on Show Me the money. We've got a lot of great stuff on our show today. I want to start off with something that we've talked about once in a while on the show, gentlemen. It is called the retirement red zone, the five years before retirement and the five years after retirement. Why is this more crucial than other times of the retirement time horizon? Well, you know, Jeff, when we are younger and we're growing up, we we often talk about the fact that from the time we're 20 till we're maybe around 45 to 50, those are the years where, you know, we're having our children, we're raising our children, we're putting them through college, we're paying off debt. And so that's the accumulation phase, if you will, where we're Mm -hmm. trying to build something. And during those times, you know, we have time on our side. But, you know, when you get within the last five years before retirement and you've worked for 20, 30, 40, some people have worked 50 years, we really need to be careful about how we have our assets positioned because we don't want to be in a situation where, you know, a downturn like we're having right now would come along and derail our retirement potentially. So that's what the retirement red zone is, is when we're getting close. It's important that we are really looking at some key factors to help protect us. So the retirement red zone, Randy and Jake, five years before, five years after, would you say, or is it a fair statement to say that the decisions that you make just before retirement and just after retirement can have lasting consequences? Oh, there's no doubt that they can. And you know, what we're really looking at when we look at that decision-making process is we need to make decisions that say, okay, you know, 
Well, you know, the age-old question is this, Jeff. Will the market go up or will the market go down, right? <laughs> yeah. And the answer is yes. <laughs> It'll <laughs> do both. both sides. <laughs> exactly. So that's why we have to make decisions that are a little different as we get closer to retirement and through retirement. We need to make sure that we've put a plan in place with provisions for market swings and all those things that can happen. Of course, I guess it's hard to plan for all those things, right. but most of it we can. Uh, there's just a few things that only God himself knows is what's going to happen. Oh, exactly. and we have to make sure and do plans, you know, as best we can. Well, we boiled it down in this segment to basically five moves that could mean hundreds of thousands of dollars in extra income over the course of your retirement. Talking about the retirement red zone with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. Let's start with the first one, uh, gentlemen. Know how much you need to retire. I think that's probably the biggest question that people face, isn't it? Yeah, I think that it, it is one of the biggest questions. And I think that a lot of people don't know how much it takes. You know, a lot of people are like, well, I need to get to a million dollars. Well, a million dollars may just barely get you started, depending on what you need to spend, or it may be more than enough. And so there's a lot of factors that come into play, pensions and retirement savings, Social Security, your spouse's Social Security savings and retirement, all those types of things. And so knowing that number is very important because it's hard to get to where you're going if you don't know where it is you're going. Right. And I think a lot of people have a misconception about how much money that they need to live. Do you run people through any sort of calculation to decide exactly how much they need to live or to put a, a realistic figure on that? Yeah, we do, Jeff. That's part of our step one when people come in to see us and we just kind of get to know them and know what's important to them and find out what their income requirements are. Uh, you know, we call that a budget and most people don't like to hear that, that <laughs> no. word. So the B so word. income requirements. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not good. The budget is not a good thing. But everybody has one, whether they realize it or not. And so many times, though, what we find is that, and, and a lot of us are the same, we raised our kids, we made more money, we paid off houses, and we haven't been on a budget in a while. And we've also probably got more money later in life and more income than we've had from our jobs and things. So a budget is something people haven't thought about for a very long time. And so that's one of the things that we kind of figure out is, hey, what does it cost you just to, uh, as my dad used to say, keep the wolf away from the door and keep yep. your fed, you know? <laughs> uh, and then uh, what do, yeah, and then what do you want for fun money yep. during your retirement years? And what does that look like? Because everybody has a different idea of what retirement is. Yeah. And you know, when I think about a budget, I think of housing allowances and I think of electricity, utilities, uh, if you've got a car payment, that sort of thing, food on the table. Are there areas that people just don't think about that they're going to need money for in retirement? Well, it's kind of interesting, and I'll just say this in general terms, okay, is I'll have people come in and they'll sit down and we'll talk about budgeting a little bit, you know, because they say, well, well, we can do the budgeting just right here on the spot. Right. And I say, okay, so how much is your Walmart bill? Oh, a hundred a month. And I'm, yeah. <laughs> I laugh I'm like, at no, that. Wait, I'm telling you. You mean a hundred, you mean a hundred a week mm-hmm. or a hundred a day? You know, yeah. it's not a, it's not a hundred a month. No. You know, but really many times we just don't really think about and consider what we're spending on certain areas. And then sometimes we also, we look at if we've got a mortgage, let's say still in the house, and and a lot of times people are really close to having it paid off when they come in here, or they've just paid it off, and they feel like they're going to save their whole mortgage payment. And what they don't realize is that 30% of it was taxes and insurance. Mm -hmm. So so you still have those things out there. And then many times the things that we use every day, we just don't think about. Like, you know, we have two cell phones, two laptops, you know, four iPads. 
anyway, whatever it is that's out there on a plan, and we're spending, you know, $400 a month on cell phones and computers and that sort of thing, or 200 a month, or whatever that looks like. I mean, that's a little extreme, I know, but I, I guess what I'm driving at is many times there's a lot of things that are just so automatic, and we're so used to it, that we don't think about what those things cost. And a lot of those things will not change when you retire. All those things will stay the same. In fact, what we find is in some cases, they may go up a little bit as people have to fill the time that they used to be at work. And I think a good exercise to do, I do this once a year, is take one of those little notepads and for a month, I write down every penny that I spend and it is eye-popping at the end of that. I discovered that I spend about twice as much on food as I thought I did. There were a lot of other things on there that I never considered. So take a little notepad and write down everything that you spend in a month and you'll get close, but you won't be exact. Another expense I think that people probably neglect a little bit is taxes. I mean, you get Social Security. It can be taxed up to 85% of the Social Security benefit. Yeah, that's true. You know, the one thing I was going to say is most people don't think about, and that's their Starbucks budget. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> well. And you know, the, if you think about that, it's really true because, yeah, well. I mean, what does the average drink cost at Starbucks? Oh, he's probably got to be five, six bucks easily. You know, I would think that it would be. I'm sure there's no conservative Americans listening to this show drinking Starbucks. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, nothing against Starbucks. I don't go there that often. Randy, I know that you've got a, a treat sometimes that you do on Saturday mornings. But, yeah, I mean, a cup of coffee out. I'm good with gas station coffee. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I'm not a connoisseur of coffee. But, yeah, if you go to Starbucks, I mean, that can add up considerably. Well, think about that. If it were five bucks a day. Right. How much is that? That's 30 times, that's $150 a month, right? You betcha, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a utility bill. Oh my gosh, and how much is that a year? If it's 100 it's 1200 it's 1800 bucks a year right there. Right. Imagine right. if you drank the coffee at work or you drank the coffee at home and you took that money and you invested it over 20 years, how much money you would have. But that's a topic for another show here. <laughs> We're talking true. about how much you need to uh, spend in retirement. The other is going to be health care, I would imagine. You know, you do get Medicare... But do your medical expenses go down when you have Medicare versus private insurance? You know, I think that that's different for each person. You know, if you're self-employed and you had a high deductible health insurance plan because you were trying to keep the premiums low, right. uh, you maybe didn't get much help until you had four, five, six thousand dollars out of pocket. If you right. worked for a corporation that right. had really strong benefits, so that's going to vary a lot for a lot of folks, no doubt. And so that is definitely one of the things if you're retiring before age 65 that really needs to be considered in what it's going to cost you to retire. And that's one of the things that we always talk about because sometimes that is bad enough and big enough to where it actually keeps people from retiring. Yeah, exactly right. And the health care plans that you get with an employer when you're working for somebody else too, they may have high deductibles, as you said, and they may have a lot of co-pays. But when you get to Medicare, and especially if you get the Medigap plans and so forth, uh, I mean, is it true that those expenses can be reduced significantly? I would say in some cases, yes, especially for the self-employed. I know that, you know, when you look at Medicare, uh, a lot of people don't realize uh, until they start Medicare and start their Social Security is it's $170.10 a month that mm -hmm. comes out of your Social Security check. If you're drawing Social Security, if you're not, uh, you're, you're going to have to reach in your hip pocket and pay for that and send that directly to Medicare. So a lot of people don't realize that it's not just an automatic and there's no cost there. Secondarily, if you do 
decide to have a supplement plan rather than an advantage plan, Mm -hmm. you may have a monthly premium that'll go along on top of that of around, depending on the plan you choose, $130 to $160 a month. In addition to that, then if you buy the advantage plan, you may not have the monthly premium, but you're going to have copay costs for most everything that you do. Yeah, and that's another subject I think that we should cover in a future show uh, sooner than later is Medicare because it can be so terribly confusing. We're talking about the retirement red zone five years before, five years after retirement with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group and five decisions that you need to make now. I think a very good decision that you can make this morning is to call Floyd Financial Group and get in and sit down with Randy and Jake and get your complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial review. It's not going to cost you a dime and with Randy and Jake, there is no judgment. They will meet you where you are. Get your plan today by calling 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Just nice folks wanting to help you with your retirement. You can also request your complimentary plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money. Happy Saturday morning. Happy fall. We'll be right back with more of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm here with Randy and Jeff Shade. And in this segment, we're talking about what to do in the last five years before retirement and the five years after. That's right, Jake. And we talked about, first of all, having a little bit of a budget, knowing how much you need to retire. Let's now move on to number two, and that is optimizing Social Security elections. It seems very simple. I mean, you file for Social Security anytime between the age of 62 and 70, and it just comes. But I understand that a lot of people are leaving money on the table, that it's really not that simple as just filing for it, is it? Well, you know, Jeff, there's a lot of consideration that comes into when you take Social Security. So, you know, I know it seems like every time that we come up against one of these subjects, we're always saying, well, you know, that depends. Yeah. You know, well, you know, <laughs> you have to look at this. And well, but you know, that's exactly how it is. None of this is just in stone and just, uh, hey, it's one way or the highway. You get to choose. There's a lot of choice that you get to make. So again, as we sit down and we're going through the discovery process with a potential new client that we're sitting with, you know, we're asking questions about their health, about what they want to do, what retirement means to them. Uh, You know, are they um, people that are, you know, very avid cyclists, runners, you know, like to fish, like to travel? What is it they like to do? Because all those factors come into when we take Social Security. It's not always just about when do we get the most money. Now, for some people, it is that, you know, they're willing to work till age 67 and beyond up to age 70, where Mm -hmm. you can maximize Social Security at that point. But it always comes down to a mixture, if you will, of money and the personal, the the human side of retirement. And that is, well, you know what? I'm not sure I want to wait till I'm 70. I want to go when I'm 62 so I can still ski down the mountain rather than maybe not. (laughs) So so, uh, it's a little more personalized than one might think at face value. But there's some big considerations, too, if you take it early now. The three major ages that I think about when taking Social Security is age 62, when you're first eligible for that, and then comes your full retirement age, whatever that may be, between 66 and 67, and then the maximum, which is 70. But if you take it at age 62, there are going to be some restrictions until you reach full retirement age. Is that right? That's right. You know, uh, you can only earn up to roughly around $20,000 a year. I think the actual number right now is 19560 per year. 
there that you can earn if you want to work part-time while taking Social Security. And I will tell you that there are a lot of people that are doing that. And for some people, that's just to have some extra income to travel on. For some people, uh, it's because they need that little bit of extra until uh, maybe their spouse can retire or something like that to help ends meet. But again, it goes back to, you know, what are you trying to accomplish? What's important to you? But a lot of folks are considering working because, again, if you've worked 30, 40, 50 years, 40 hours a week, all of a sudden to just go bam, cold turkey, and not go back to work. I think that there's two things that happen. My mother-in-law referred to this when she retired. She said, you know, Randy, what I miss most is I don't have a schedule, and it kind of makes me feel discombobulated all the time. So she had to kind of work through that. And I think by maybe working a little bit part-time will help keep people on a schedule and make them feel more normal, I guess more continuity as they go into retirement. Secondly, I think what happens to people too is all of a sudden they're on a fixed income. I remember this happened with my sister. She said, Randy, I'm on a fixed income. You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty good one though too, my dear. But, but anyway, yeah. um, but you know, it's it's different because now people think, okay, this is it. It's kind of like the deer in the headlights thing when they finally do it until they get comfortable with the fact that we've got a monthly income stream set up for them, whether it's social security, a pension, or a combination thereof, and of course their investment income and maybe some part-time work, uh, you know, for a while. They settle in after a little bit, and uh, they aren't looking over their shoulder all the time. And then we do regular reviews with clients here to help them know exactly where they are, how things are going, so they can continue to enjoy a relaxed retirement. And basically, the longer you wait to take Social Security, you get more, don't you? Yeah, basically that's the case. Up to age 70, you know, from uh, 67 through 70, you will get an 8% simple increase, meaning if your Social Security benefit is, say, $2,000 a month uh, at age 67, your full retirement age, wait one more year, it'll be 8% of that 2000 so that'll add $160 a month onto that. And then if you go another year, it adds another 160 and then one more year to age 70 adds another 160 So realistically, if you're at 2000 a month by mm-hmm. waiting your you're going to be 2480 right. by waiting to age 70. And for each year, your benefit is deferred beyond your normal retirement age. Your benefits are going to be increasing about 8% annually up until the age of 70. What calculations do you make or how do you help people decide when is the best age to take Social Security for their individual circumstance? Yeah, that's a great question, Jeff. So really what it really boils down to is, again, we're going to look at budgeting. We're going to look at all the sources of income that people may have. We're going to look at what their goals and desires are for early in retirement. Sometimes people want to spend more money up front and they feel like maybe they can spend a little less later when they're in their 80s and 90s and their early 100s. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But (laughs) Hey. But, you know, maybe they'll spend less later. Uh, I did read the other day that the oldest lady living right now, I think, is 118 right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, people are uh, living longer, and there are 573,000 centenarians uh, worldwide. That means people over age 100. But, yeah, what we do to help people really figure out where they need to be is we're going to look at their overall budgeting, look forward, build in some inflation protection for them there, and then uh, we basically 
basically by looking at that, knowing what they want to do and how much income they, they need, we reverse engineer the plan and then we look at how uh, everything plays out looking forward to develop a plan that's going to last them a lifetime. And I have a family member, I've talked about this before, she'll be 105 this coming January. So she has certainly gotten her uh, maximum benefit out of Social Security. She's collected it for a long, long time. We're talking about the five years before and after retirement with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. Next topic I want to talk about is examining your asset allocation and your fees. Absolutely. You know, that's something that we look at here every day. And one of the things that we've tried to engineer at Floyd Financial Group here is we want to be a low cost provider. We want to be efficient. We want to have good portfolios, build good portfolios that last people a lifetime. But we also are cognizant of the fact that over a 25 or 30 year retirement, fees can be a major major portion of how your retirement benefits last. And I think that excessive fees can be a really sneaky culprit out there because you just don't notice them, but after a period of time, they really do add up, don't they? They really, really do. So uh, it's always important to know what fees you're paying. We see people coming in here. It just depends on who they're set up with, and I won't name any names today, but you know, there's some of them are at 2%, some are at 2.5%. Sometimes we see fees on some of their investments as high as 3 percent. And, you know, we really want to help people make sure that we whittle those down and get those down, you know, as close to one percent or below if we can all in, because that is a lot of money over the long haul. And, you know, most people are going to be retired. We need to plan on at least 30 years. We want to go through age 95, you know, so fees and asset allocation, how you're set up. Like we talked about earlier, you know, Jeff, will the market go up or will the market go down? (laughs) Both. Yeah, (laughs) both. And so we need to make sure that we're able to um, and we and we use a term called risk adjusted return risk adjusted return just basically says hey for the risk I'm taking what's the reward I'm able to get and we want to make sure that you know we are at that efficient frontier we call it where you can capture the lion's share of the gains and maybe not take so much of the down we're talking about decisions to make the five years before and after retirement with Randy Jacob Floyd Financial Group. Next one is to project retirement outcomes for the rest of your life. Your money's got to last longer than you do. That's right. Nobody wants to uh, have money and ha- have no money and still have life. Right. Most people want to want to have a little bit of money after life. Right. However, we do have a few of those people that say, I want you to engineer this plan, Randy, to where my last check bounces. Now, <laughs> we're pretty good. I'm not sure we're that good, but... <laughs> what are checks? <laughs> yeah, Jake, what are checks? You ever get behind somebody in a supermarket line, even these days, and they pull out the checkbook, and the eyes just start the roll there, yeah. Young kids don't know what checks are, but still Still, it is very important to take that into consideration. You know, Jeff, even cash is problematic now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, what? Now you have to make change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to places that do not take cash these days. I didn't know that you could legally do that, but I guess you can do whatever you want to. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about these five decisions. Final one, explore the final contributions to your retirement plan. Yeah, Jeff, you know, whether you're working for a company or you have your own business that you've operated for years, maybe you're looking to convert your 401k plan into some sort of a permanent income stream. In some cases, companies offer annuities with lump sum pension plans. There's a whole lot of things that come into play when you get ready to retire. Also, some of the things we need to think about, you know, if we're making more money than we've ever made, and maybe we're even at a position where we've seen this over the last couple of years where people got tremendously large bonuses, you know, 
know, sometimes it really does make sense to max fund all of your retirement plans right even up to the end to avoid some taxation. Remember, any dollar we don't give to the government while we're working and getting ready for retirement is money we have that can work for us and produce income later. So uh, many times we find that as people are closer and closer to retirement, they can max fund their 401k. You know, you can put up to $26,000 a year into a 401k. Now, if a husband and wife are both working and you're making great money, you can really tax defer and save a lot of taxes on money, especially if people are in the 2024 20, uh, 28% tax bracket like a lot of folks are today you know it's a lot of savings i often uh, joke with my sister you know i said you realize the government paid for a third of your retirement plan right you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so i mean really if if you don't give it up and you've got it to spend i mean that's exactly what happened we're talking about the decisions that you should make five years before retirement and five years after that are critical. And among those, knowing how much you need to retire, examining your asset allocation and fees, optimizing Social Security, projecting your retirement outcomes for the rest of your life, and then finally exploring the final contributions to your retirement plan. I want to add a sixth one here, gentlemen, and that is the non-financial aspect of retirement. It's not all about money, but it's also what am I going to be doing with my time? Yeah, absolutely. And I uh, often ask people that and they go, well, you know, I don't know. I will say this, that generally the answer we get to what are you going to do with your time is grandma says, well, I'm going to go spend time with the grandkids. Yeah. Grandpa goes, um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm going with her. (laughs) I'll probably try to fit that in amongst the golf and the fishing and the bike riding and all that. But nevertheless, you've got to think about what you're going to be doing with your time and the non-financial aspect of retirement. You're listening to Show Me the Money with Randy Jake Floyd. Glad you could join us this fine Saturday morning. We hope you're having a great day so far. You can make it even better by calling 417-889-7233 and requesting your complimentary no-cost, no-obligation financial review. It is an opportunity for you to sit down with Randy and Jake and discuss your individual retirement questions and get the answers that are tailored for you. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime. 417-889-7233 or you can request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money Radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy Floyd along with Jake. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about mistakes that your kids could be making with their money. That's right. And this is a very important topic, Randy. I think a lot of people listening to this, may ha- they may have children, but they've also got grandchildren who are young. And I think educating them about money early on is probably one of the most valuable things that you can do. Now, let's talk about you and me, Randy. When I was a kid, I did a number of things. I had little jobs here and there. I would uh, cut grass for people. I worked in my uncle's wood shop, and he paid me to do that. I sold Christmas cards in July, of all things, just to make a little bit of money. But as soon as that money came in, I opened up the newspaper, and I was looking for what I could buy with that money. I was not a saver. (laughs) What about you, Randy? No, no, I was not 
not a saver. You know, we grew up, I mean, we always had everything that we needed, but we never really had a lot of extra cash and things sitting around. And so, you know, anything we bought, we pretty much bought it on a payment plan or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that kind of spilled over into, you know, my young adult life and all that. And so there was some things early on that, you know, I wish that I had learned, you know, about money and the cost of using somebody else's money. In fact, early on, I remember I bought my first car or my first new car. My first car was a 1966 Ford Falcon four-door. Wow. It was an inline six. It drank more oil than it burned gas. Wow. And uh, I just carried oil in the back seat. When the oil light came on, I stopped and took the cap off and poured it down its gullet and went on down the road. You know, I paid $300 for that car. Wow. And then in 1974, you ready for this? Yep. I bought a 1974 Vega. <laughs> you are what the a, one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> one of the worst cars that General Motors ever made. They had an aluminum block in there with yeah, steel sleeves. Right. And they never, ever worked right. They burned oil pretty early on. But I do remember yeah. that I went to Arkansas to buy it. And the reason I did, are you ready for this? Yeah. The interest rate cap was 10% in Arkansas, Hmm. and it was 12% in Missouri. So I knew I was going to save 2% interest (laughs) by going to Arkansas to buy it. So that's kind of how we learned to buy things, was everything was kind of bought on time. Now, obviously, there's things like homes and big-ticket items that need to be bought that way. Nobody really goes and just buys their first house. But I do think that there's a big gap that uh, between how money works and how much it costs to use somebody else's money out there today. And we're starting to see with interest rates going back up as they are now that that's going to be a little bit more problematic than it has been in the past probably decade at least. Yeah, and I, I think one of the most important things that I learned was to pay yourself first. If you make a dollar, there's a certain percentage of that that you should put away for yourself, and then you can spend the rest on things that you may want. Jake, you were sort of chiming in there. What were some of the lessons that you learned from your dad about money? You know, Jeff, very early on, I learned about hard work from my dad. My dad always worked really hard, and you know, I couldn't wait to go to work so that I could make money. You know, he taught me that, you know, if you wanted something in life, there's nothing you can't have as long as you're willing to work hard for it. And so, you know, my first job was when I was 13. I was working at a place that will remain nameless in Tulsa, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. getting paid under the table five fifty an hour to unload 60-pound boxes of hams. Mm. And so that was obviously very hard work, but I thought yeah. I had died and gone to heaven because I was making five fifty an hour. And, uh, you know, I pretty much have been working since. I always wanted to make a living, make money, you know, buy the things that I wanted to buy. So I, I've never uh, been afraid of, of work and that kind of thing. I'd say that's probably the biggest thing that I learned early on is just watching him always working hard and, you know, taught me that, you know, there's nothing wrong with working hard. Well, there are many more temptations today because you can get on your smartphone and there's anything and everything that you could buy. But Randy, when you and I were kids, you actually had to go into a store and lay down cold, hard cash to buy things. I mean, it was a little bit different than it is today. Yeah, a lot different, actually. Also, we also had Montgomery Wards. We had Aldens. We had all the catalogs, Sears catalog, you know, all those 
those things. And my grandma used to come and say, okay, now pick out seven or eight things that you want, you know, and circle <laughs> them in the catalog here, and we'll right. see what happens. Yeah. That was see back what when Santa could, will bring, you know. That was back when you could buy uh, you could buy guns out of the Sears catalog. You That's could, true. yeah. You could buy a house. I mean, you could buy a lot yeah. of things out of the Sears catalog. And for a lot of people, I mean, that's what they did every year was they had a catalog. And yeah, I've heard stories about buying all sorts of things from a catalog, but things a lot different today. With the internet, you can buy things instantly from all over the world. Was investing something that you uh, talked to uh, Jake about, Randy, and how would you talk to kids about investing today? You know, it was not something that I spoke specifically to Jake about, especially early on. You know, I spent, before we opened this business 22 years ago, uh, I spent quite a bit of time in corporate America. Now, we did save money in our 401k, and we did things of that nature, but I had to convince my wife because she was a little nervous about that early on. But <laughs> but anyway, right. she didn't really you know know the market, and, and sometimes maybe we still see people that don't understand the stock market, don't understand investing, and how time and money are two things that uh, if you work those together, they always give you a great result. So I think that probably what I should do here is maybe let's talk about some key mistakes that we might make as mm-hmm. youngsters. Uh, you know, I would say this, that, that as the saying goes, when is the best time to start investing? You know, that would be yesterday. Right, right. So never tomorrow or next week, but yesterday we should have started putting some money aside into an investment fund. Also, I would say this too, that there's a lot of people, even today, and I haven't read studies recently on what it would be, but I would say that probably 80% of the people, if they had an extra 1000 or $1,500 in an expense that came up in a month, they probably couldn't write a check for it to take care of it. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that most people need to think about here is, you know, have you built an emergency fund? Do you have money set aside that if, if things really go wrong here for three months, maybe even to six months, would you be able to survive it? You know, just knowing that you could, think of the amount of stress that could be be relieved in some people's lives, right? Right. You know, the other thing that I would say, too, is, you know, amassing more and more debt, not paying anything off. Mm -hmm. It's really easy in today's world for people to get a credit card here, a credit card there. Well, you know, I'm at Kohl's, and they'll give me 20% off more, you know, if I take this credit card out. Now, one thing to consider there is this. If they're willing to give you 20% off for you to open a credit card, account, what do you think they know is going to happen on the other side of that, Jeff? Yeah. Well, you're going to be paying interest, and they're going to get their 20% back and more over the period of time, yeah, because you're going to be a loyal customer. I think also, Jeff, back to what you were saying about paying yourself first, I think one thing that a lot of successful retirees, meaning people that have saved appropriately, one thing they have in common is that very few of them actually know what their salary is. Because what they know is what they take home, and they've forgotten about that money that they've been investing in their 401k for the last 30 years. Right. They don't look at it as something to spend. What they, what they know is, well, I get $2,500 a check, or whatever the number is. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying you need to forget about what your salary is. I'm just simply saying that once you set that money aside, if you do that early on, and you forget about that money, and you don't think of it as a, as a source of money to go get... That really helps because then if you have all that time, you know, if you're saving, you know, a thousand bucks uh, every so often and and all that extra time compounding of interest, you know, it really adds up to a lot of money. Like you were talking about earlier in the show about the Starbucks thing, right? Right. If you have a $5 Starbucks a day, every day, you know, that's 1800 bucks a year. That's $54,000 over 30 years, Mm -hmm. right? So. 
that's a lot of money. So one thing you can ask yourself is say, hey, is this Starbucks worth $54,000 to me? <laughs> I don't think because, so. Yeah. Because that's with no interest. Right, right, right. right. So, I mean, I mean, you could you could really make an argument. Now, most people don't have one every single day, but some people do. Some people are concerned that they don't if they don't save enough, maybe they shouldn't bother saving. And I would, I would definitely take issue with that, especially yeah. if your kids or grandkids are 18, 20, 21, and they're, they have jobs. You know, uh, last weekend I was at Whitewater. A lot right. of people have probably been to Whitewater. Mm-hmm. And one of the lifeguards there was telling me that he had gotten up at uh, 2.30 to work his other job wow. and then come to this job. And so I was, it was good for me to know that at least some of these young people are taking advantage of this environment. I don't know how many listeners are out there that are thinking, man, the jobs environment is a lot more favorable right now than it was when I first started working. And and I can tell you, uh, this may be the most favorable jobs market ever to be an employee. You know, you get to set your terms, you get paid way more money than what they were making two years ago. And, you know, you can work two jobs and, and the employers aren't aren't mm-hmm. going, hey, I don't want you to work another job. You know, they're, they're like, hey, I'll take what I can get. And so uh, if you pay yourself first and you're 18 years old and you've got 45 years of deferral, um, you can really make a lot of money on that money with compound interest. Gentlemen, my mother came from humble beginnings in eastern Tennessee and Appalachian. She used to say, you kids don't know the value of a dollar, and she would tell us all the stories about poverty when she was a kid. And Jake, I know that Trevor is around 10 years old today. What are some of the financial tips that you've given Trevor as a 10-year-old? You know, we have we have talked about saving money a little bit. He's kind of just now starting to work on getting an allowance, working working around the house and things like that. We've spoiled him pretty rotten along with grandma and grandpa here, but uh, <laughs> but I will say that a couple of years ago, we actually set up a small account and let him pick stocks based wow. on what he thought would be a good idea to buy and why. And so I had him present to me what he wanted to buy, why he thought it was a good idea, and why he thought it would appreciate. And so that led to some very good conversation about why companies are worth what they're worth and just investing in general. And I think that, you know, having those conversations, you know, starts to pique their interest, you know, and when they start to understand why you invest money and how much difference it can make over time, that captures their imaginations a little bit. And they're like, wow, I could have thousands and thousands of dollars someday. Right. You could. You bet. You know, and I think that just having that conversation, you know, is a good start. Now, again, a lot of people listening here probably don't have kids that are that are ten. There's probably some out there, but I do think that you know, even in young adulthood, you know, just just when they get their first job, make them set aside ten percent. You know, stick it in a savings account and forget about it, and they'll they will retain that habit. Yeah, and I think the best investing is automatic. When you don't see it, you're not going to spend it. We're talking about uh, talking to your kids about money and your grandchildren with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. Once again, if you'd like to get in and talk to Randy and Jake about your individual situation, maybe you want to talk about your children, your grandchildren, and to get them on the right financial path and get yourself on the right financial path, we're offering a free, no-obligation, complimentary financial review. To get yours, 417-889-7233. You can also request your complimentary Complimentary review with no judgment online at floydfinancialgroup.com. You're listening to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more straight talk with Randy Floyd. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to talk about why your financial advisor during a downturn can be your best friend. That's exactly right. And, you know, I think a lot of people think, well, I can do this myself. That's one. Or I don't have enough money to seek the advice of a true financial professional. But that's not true. I think the number one thing that a financial pro brings to the table is experience. Let's talk about that. Let's start there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I often tell people this, you know, and you've heard me say it on the show here many times, Jeff, is most people only retire one time. And so they don't go through all the processes that we as financial professionals go through every day here. That is helping people know what is Social Security? What's it going to be? What's it going to look like? You know, what's the cost of living adjustment going to look like there? What is my pension plan? What's it going to pay me? Is it best to take the annuity there? Is it is it best for me to roll that over into an IRA? Uh, how much will my 401k produce in income? What's the timing for my Medicare? What's the best timing again back to Social Security 67 or 62? You know, all of these things come into play. Uh, also, do I need an estate plan? What does an estate plan look like? Do I have an estate? What is an estate? You know, all of these things that people have haven't really thought about, you know, before. And we have also been down the road far enough after, you know, 20 plus years of seeing the mistakes that people have made, the mistakes that some legal professionals have made in setting up estate plans. And we can help people avoid a lot of those pitfalls that can be, I mean, really, really a lot of dollars of savings and pain over time. Yeah, there is no substitute for experience. And, uh, you know, you've been doing this for, for well over 20 years. You get deep in the weeds when it comes to things like the market, taxes, and a lot more too. So no substitute for experience. Next one is uh, you guys really have access to knowledge of financial markets that the average person does not. They're experts in what they do, but this is what you do day in and day out. And you really don't farm your investment decisions out to someone else, do you? No, we do most all of, I say say most, we do all of the planning in-house here. You know, we're large enough today to where we have all the tools that we need to make good financial decisions. Now, there's times that come along like we've had this year. So since January of this year, there's only been one asset class that's made any money. What would you think that would be? Uh, When I think about it, it's not bonds, it's not stocks. I would probably think about the energy sector. Is that correct? That is correct. The only sector that's really made any money this year is oil and gas. Uh, Everything else is underwater for the year. Even those long-term safe havens of bonds have really uh, taken a bath this year. And investment-grade bonds overall are about 10% below where they were at the start of the year. And the stock market right now is probably in the 17 to 18% off of its high. Uh, If you're looking broadly at the S&P 500, the NASDAQ is off still more than that. So when it really comes to what it really comes down to is you need to have information available to help make good decisions on a daily basis. And uh, you know, used to be people would invest money and they would put it into something and they would just set it there and let it ride long term and forget it. The problem we have today, the speed with which we do business and a lot of the trading that's done is done by computers and done by algorithms. You know, companies that are viable and doing really well today may be down 90% tomorrow. You know, so you really have to be more nimble than ever. You have to have access to information through many different 
channels, which we have. And then you also have to be able to discern what that information means. And sometimes it's a head-scratcher, even for financial professionals. And I would tell you that around the country this year, there's been a whole lot of head-scratching going on across <laughs> all financial professionals. Because you know, this year it's been like good news is bad news and bad news is good news. And if it's uh, tepid, it's good. And if it's hot... It's, you know, it's bad. I, I mean, it's just, you just don't know exactly where everything is going to be. And we're going to get through this. We're going to have a recession. Mm. And, you know, we here at Floyd Financial Group, we've been making moves all along the way to protect our clients' nest eggs that they've grown over time. Uh, also try to line them up to make a little money where it's possible. Uh, you know, get some dividend-paying stocks in there. We've also got a lot of money that we've moved over to cash assets right now because, again, you know, the general and the macro trend for the year has been down, down, down for this year. So experience, knowing where to turn, uh, having access to information is critical in situations like this. And while people can access that, it's something that we kind of have auto that flows into us all the time now. And we're also on it every day looking at, okay, so what cause and effect do we have coming next based on what Jerome Powell said or or based on what Putin said or based on what, you know, Jamie Dimon from J.P. Morgan Chase or Goldman Sachs, all these people that move large amounts of money around the country. And if we're heading into a recession as well, I want someone by my side who has been through a recession before and knows what moves to make. The other thing, too, is that as a financial professional, I would imagine that you have a lot of tools in your toolbox that only a pro like yourself has access to. Is that correct? I would say that people can access a lot of information out there. Again, the thing that's hard to know, and there's this old saying that you've probably heard before, Jeff, is I don't know what it is that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think sorting through what's helpful and what's not helpful, because there's a vast sea of information. And for every opinion, you can find 50 people uh, against that opinion. And for every opinion the other way, 50 people for the original guy's position. So I think knowing what is valuable information, I think, is, is part of the value of the financial advisor. But also, I mean, there are tools and there are resources that are only available to licensed professionals. I mean, anybody just can't go buy an annuity on their own, can they? Well, you have to find somebody, yes, that will help you uh, get connected with that. You have to have an insurance agent or somebody that's a broker or somebody that's a registered investment advisor or somebody. But they're going to ultimately end up uh, needing to be licensed to market those products. You're right. While that's easy to access online, what is not so easy is, as we've talked about on this show before, If you're looking like at annuities, there's probably, oh my goodness, I don't know, between all the different types of annuities, there's probably 5,000 variations Mm -hmm. of these things. And knowing what's good and what's bad and what's not. And, you know, do I need an income writer? Do I not need an income writer? Do I need to pay this fee to get a bonus? Do I, you know, all the different things that come into play. And there's no one solid answer that applies to each individual. I will tell you that we take and spend a lot of time going over these types of products that are these financial tools to really figure out which ones are best for our client. And we just, that's all we want. We want to know what's best for the client, what's going to be best for this environment that we're in right now. We need flexibility. We know that. And so we have to look at what tools will give us flexibility 
So yeah, there's just a whole lot that goes into it. And there are certain tools out there that are easy for us to access to get in-depth research and history that would be very hard for clients to do and to access. We're talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group about your best friend in an economic downturn being a financial professional. Also, I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that studies have shown that if you're working with a financial professional, that likely your results are going to be better than if you do it yourself. That's true. There's been lots of studies over time. The oldest one that's out there is the Dalbar. The Dalbar basically says uh, it was a study that said, you know, the average retail investor, the person that goes out and does it themselves over, uh, I can't remember what the period of time was. It was a number of years, was about 3% as opposed to an institutional investor, someone that uses some type of a, an institutionalized money manager or a financial planner is going to get closer to 11% over time. So it's a pretty big variance. Randy, in your estimation, why do some people not seek out the help of a financial professional? Is it because they're just afraid to talk about money? They don't have enough money to invest, or at least they don't think they have enough money to invest? Or what is it that you think keeps people from seeking out someone like yourself? So I think it's threefold, probably. Number one is, remember the story of the lady that I had in my office years ago that said scary money stuff. Oh, we yeah. have to talk about scary money stuff. So the stress of talking about scary money stuff for some people keeps them away from that. Secondly, I think, number two, it's trust. Right. Uh, how do we find somebody that we can trust? And then thirdly, I think it is that thing of, well, you know, I don't think I have enough money. I don't need any help there. I, I, I think I can do it on my own. Or And all those three are not good reasons. No. <laughs> you know, there, you, should, you should just really go out and talk to some financial professionals and go ahead and vet them and ask them questions about their practice and their experience. Well, when it came to financial decisions and investing money, I remember my mom used to always just talk to Uncle Ray down at the bank. And, you know, Uncle Ray knew what Uncle Ray knew, but he was a captive agent. He could only sell what the bank had. And so, you know, she really was missing out on a lot of things. Do you find that many people just underestimate what a financial professional can do? And as you said, they're just scared to talk to one because they think they don't have enough money. In other words, how much money do you have to have before you seek out the advice of a financial professional? Well, Jeff, I think that the answer to that question is you really can search out advice early on. And most financial professionals, if we have younger people that are coming in and really wanting to talk to us and ask good questions and try to get started, most of us are going to encourage that and be happy to sit and visit with them and get them started. There's no magic number. I would say that for most of the people listening to this show, they're down the road a ways. They're probably in their 40s or 50s or 60s, you know. And, you know, whatever you've saved over your lifetime is what you you've saved over your lifetime, and it's important to you. It's important to us. Everybody's money is important. There's no big eyes and little U's, like my grandma used to say. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about the value of using a financial professional. And if you've listened to this program very long, you know that Randy and Jake certainly have a lot of answers to your questions. If you'd like to sit down with Randy and Jake individually and ask your individual questions to get the answers that apply to you, no cost, no obligation, and no judgment at Floyd Financial Group. Call 417-889-7233 right here in Springfield to sit down and have your complimentary consultation with Randy and Jake. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Unfortunately, gentlemen, we are out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 
my favorite radio station, 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk.